This is Taste for Tenacity, show number 36. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Bowtie Advisors. We run the numbers so you can get back to running your business. Welcome to the show that answers the question that plagues students and professionals alike. What should I do with my life? Determine your greatness. Follow me to the pathway of more success. Each week, we interview entrepreneurs. Invest in things that you understand. Professionals. It's just believing in yourself and your abilities. And artists that have followed their pull. You can't be scared to push the envelope. This is what we need from Ben Trella and Otai Media. This is Taste for Tenacity. Okay, so you've always wanted to be a creative. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've seen it kind of emerge throughout different generations. And this yeah. was back in, in middle school. Yeah. So yeah. as you were going through high school, were you able to sort of act on, on that need for expression and that need to, to create something that's never been out there? Or were, were you sort of just focused on like, bro, I got to get out of school as quick as possible? No, I, I um, started, so... Yeah. I, maybe like fifth or sixth grade, I started like rapping. Um, me and my friends, we would like, it was funny, we would we would like write raps and we would like download instrument, not even download, we would just like play instrumentals from like, <laughs> there used to be like uh, instrumental CDs of like rap, some popular rap songs and we would like download these CDs and we would like just write raps to them. Huh. Didn't have any way to record them, but we would just like write stuff and we would just like rap them to each other. And then finally my f- friend's father was like actually no, actually he yeah 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 yeah. My friend's father, they had a computer. It was an HP and it was it was this white like dinosaur looking <laughs> machine and it and it funny enough it had a a can like, it had a microphone built into the the monitor, oh, okay. which was weird. So my friend got this program, and we would like, ma- it, I forgot what it was called. It was like Easy Hip Hop, and we uh, we would just like make beats in it, and then we would like rap into the mic, and then then we were like, this is kind of this is kind of fun. This is fun, yeah. yeah. So then we like we bought um, we found I don't know how we we somehow bought equipment. It was like you know the cheapest <laughs> shit we could get at Guitar yeah. Center, and that's like really when we got into it. And this is like, this is maybe like eighth, ninth grade when we bought equipment. But like middle school, sixth, seventh grade, I mean, I remember there were times when like I would rap, I would put tapes in the. You remember how you could record over tapes? Yeah. So yeah. I, I would like get blank tapes and then like record into the, like the the stereo, mm-hmm. like some raps that I've written. Um, and me and my friends, we would do that. We would just like sit around like a boombox, and we would just like record ourselves over like on tape. I, I probably have some of these tapes somewhere. They're they're terrible, <laughs> but but look, I actually forgot about that. It was just crazy. Yeah. Um, so that was in between us buying our own equipment, and then I think like ninth grade came about, and we we ended up buying equipment, and it kind of just took off. Like middle high school, we started. We did like three talent shows we won one of them yeah um so i was in a rap group in high school um different names it was like one was called blackout one was called the movement one i forgot what the other one was called it was we had so many names we we changed it like every year yeah it was it was crazy um <laughs> can't be coasting on last year's name. exactly yeah. exactly always switching it up <laughs> um but yeah we did like talent shows we would like we put out like mixtapes we were like selling them in school yeah we were like 
trying to trying any way to like make a buck. We were like doing little. We I remember we did a show, so we were promised that the it was a it was like a talent show for the post office because my friend's father worked for the post office. Okay. No, my friends a friend's friend of my father worked for the post office. Huh. And there was a talent show, and I remember. The talent show ended up being on a bench in Belleau. <laughs> Just so hanging out. We like it I don't know how it went from this grand scheme of like you could win this, we could do and then we ended up like performing on a bench on in, in, in Belleau. And we I think <laughs> our my friend's dad felt bad for us, so he like gave us all like fifty bucks. Oh and yeah. then we went and bought like a pop filter for our microphone. Nice. To like, you know, better our recording. So we, we put the money to good use. Yeah. And I think that's that's such like a small detail, but that's that's cool to mention because you you want you said how many were there four of you there in was that group? in the group there was uh yeah there was about four four of us yeah. about four so you get two hundred bucks from singing on a on a park bench uh, Belle Isle's a, a park here in Detroit from sitting on a park bench and performing you get two hundred bucks and then say all right we got this. Let's reinvest it in yeah. a way. Like, yeah. let's we gotta we gotta up our quality. So now let's just pour it in. You were like eighth, ninth grade, exactly, and that's where your head was at. Where do you think that came from? What what gave you the thought of like, nah, not even a question. Let's pour it back in. Uh, I don't know. Just the, I think we just wanted to be better. Like like from the 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 time we were recording on the HP yeah. to when we got. You know, we were like, this is actually fun. And we're like, we would show people and people were like, you're, you're, you know, it's not bad. Like, yeah. I mean, it was looking back on it, it's like bad now. But yeah. like, people were like, it, it, you know, you guys aren't bad. Like people in school were like, you guys are sweet. And yeah. then um, we were like, okay. So we just like kept doing it. And, you know, anything you keep doing, you're just like, you're going to get better at it if you keep practicing at it. So we just like, there's nothing else we did besides rap, play basketball and play video games. Like a lot of Halo was played, and a lot of <laughs> a lot of raps were written while we were playing Halo. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. So that we just wanted to be wanted to be better. We wanted to, you know, we, we I mean we had this big dream of becoming, you know, rich and famous. This was like at the the time I'm thinking now was like oh seven oh six. So Soldier Boy was like really big, oh, okay. and he was like. It was like my dream to be like famous in high school. Yeah. Because it would have been the sickest thing in the world. Yeah. Live it, living on cloud nine that early. Yeah. So now all throughout high school, your your to-do list is video games, writing raps with your friends, and what was the other one? Uh, um, oh, basketball, basketball. Basketball. Yeah, That's yeah. right. So you're doing this all throughout high school. Yeah. And, and you sort of figured out early on, like, there's something here. There's something for me. What was going through your head as you started to wrap up your high school career? Were you thinking you, you needed to go the college route? What what were you hearing? What were you thinking? What were you feeling at the time? I was feeling the pressure from parents because, you know, they, you know, they wanted me to do the college route. I, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I liked music. You know, I didn't really – I didn't really – get into like fashion and stuff i was into it but i didn't like really see it as like a viable career or anything it wasn't was, a path for you yeah not not at that time so it was really just like i want to do music um so i ended up going to henry ford for telecommunications which 
and I got my associate's degree, which you know, I'm I, I've never used it. I can I can say, but yeah, um, s- school was definitely not. It, it wasn't something I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I actually wanted actually I wanted to be a graphic designer, and I wanted to go to art institute in hmm. um, sh- I think it was Chicago. I mean, thank God I didn't because I mean. They're like, aren't they like debunked? And, and, I think so. Yeah. One of them is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to do graphic design, but I think that didn't work out. So I just, okay. I started, I wanted to do something like audio related because I knew, I knew, I knew audio, you know, working yeah. on the programs. So I was like, maybe I can do something. And that was the closest thing I could do was telecommunications. Okay. But, and even then, like, I forgot to mention, like, I've been making, I've been like, Besides rapping, I've been producing like beats since like 2004. Yeah. Um, my friend who I started rapping with, he you know introduced me to that as well. His name's uh, Dwayne. Um, introduced me to this program called Fruity Loops. Um, now it's called FL Studio. But I mean, that was like 2004. Okay. And um, honestly, that actually t- making beats kind of went to the forefront and pushed. Rapping to the back as I as I got older, I'll say as I'm getting out of high school, I, I start. I'm like I want to. I'd rather I'd rather make beats than than like be the rapper. I think. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, you said 2004 ish. You started making beats, and that was on Fruity Loops. Great, great application name right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's one of the greatest. Like Fruity Loops, like. It's so crazy. <laughs> so I don't know how they thought, <laughs> but hey, they they polished it up a little bit. FL Studio now it works. Um, so what do you think about about making beats and, and producing beats in particular? Kept your interest for for that long of a period because sometimes it can be tough to stay committed to making one type of thing and you want to get yeah. out there. What do you think kept you interested in in producing? I think. I was never the, I never felt I was as good of a rapper as my best friend, Dwayne. And then, so I never, I never really thought I was like the best rapper. I knew I could rap and people were like, oh, you're good. Yeah. But, you know, hearing my friend's songs and I was like, man, that shit is like, this is fire. Like, like that's I, how did you write this? <laughs> like, where, where's your head? Like, I don't even know how to rap like that. Yeah. Um, but I knew making, like, making beats was something they weren't really interested in. Um. And I just was like, if I'm a, like, I just want to make beats because that's, you know, I feel like I can be really good at that. In which, you know, the man hours I've, you know, I've put in my what is it, a thousand hours, yeah, whatever, making the ten thousand hours, ten thousand hours. I've, I've, I've put that in, and you know, it, it, my work, my craft has, has, has progressed over the years. I mean, 2004, that's was a that solid mean? fifteen years. Now. Yeah, it's crazy, and I still don't like opening up the program. I still don't know everything. You know, I st- I go on YouTube and I watch uh, other people make beats, or I'm, I watch. That's that's one of my like things I love to do is just watch other people do things I love to do. Huh. So I watch people like DJ, or I watch people make beats, or I watch people. I don't know, uh, rap. You know, yeah. like like yeah. just whatever. You know, just whatever creative. I just like to see other people doing things and not pick up little things and, you know, mm-hmm. you don't always know everything. Yeah. So I'm curious. One thing that, that can be tough, especially as as a creator, is keeping your own style while trying to pick those tidbits from other people, right? Yeah. So you watch videos of other people yeah. uh, DJing, other people producing, how their process works. How do you maintain your own style, your own, like, 
your own identity while you're also picking and, and choosing from other people? You know, it's 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 it is you just kind of it just kind of you just kind of inherit it. It's it's like I was watching an interview with Pharrell and uh, Rick Rubin mm-hmm. the other day. I don't, have you seen that one? No, I haven't. It's it's a really good interview. But so Pharrell's talking to Rick Rubin, and um, Rick Rubin's kind of asking him like, "Where do you get these like these I like? How do you come up with the stuff you come up with?" And and he's just like. You know, it's all about moments and like listening to songs and just like thinking about like how did they do this this song or how did they like make this chord? It's like like this song has this certain emotion, and how do I recapture it and yeah. like turn it into something different? But I want that like same hair raising like like if if it, if it can make you feel something, then like it's doing its job, whether mm-hmm. it's mad, sad, or crying or whatever it is. So like. Chasing that that moment um, is definitely something that I try to always always do. Whether no matter what I'm doing, um, I don't know. It's it's you know everyone has their own individual style, and I feel like you know you you take tidbits from like this person or the, like this person, or you see like oh this is how they do their hi hats, or mm-hmm. oh this is how they did that affect transition into this song. Yeah. I'm going to try to do it on this song. It might sound a little different when I do it because maybe my hands aren't moving as fast or maybe I'm using a different effect or something. Or, But, you know, hmm. everything, I feel like everything you do, essentially, you could turn into your own. You know, um, it's like no, no idea is like, so original that it's like the 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 first, you know. Yeah. Like so, the person I'm watching isn't the first person to to do that. They probably learned it from somewhere else, you know. Yeah. So like the elements that you're choosing, you're choosing because they resonate with you and your style and how you do things. Exactly. And in having your own literal like the physical aspect of how you move things and how you shift things and progress things along with. Correct. Your own ear and how yeah. how that's colored by your background. So really, it's not taking a bit of Pharrell or, or a bit of Rick Rubin. It's taking that element and spinning it up with your own style. Correct. And it's like what what I may watch and like from something is totally different from what someone else may watch and and be like, oh, I like that. And the next person will maybe be like, oh, I like that. Yeah. You know. Two, two opposite pieces. Exactly. Huh. So now you're in high school. As as you're going through, you're continuing to, to create throughout that time. Yeah. And now you're at you're at Henry Ford. You're working. You know, you're still doing a lot of this stuff, but you're getting a telecommunications degree. How did you balance your own projects and the stuff that you wanted to work on with? you know, that associate's degree in school and if you had to work a job, how did you balance all those elements when all of them can be so taxing on you? Very much so. And when I started working at Henry Ford, that was, that's actually around the time I got like my first actual job. I started working at Express okay. in Fairlane Mall. Okay. And um, I was working part-time and then going to Henry Ford full-time and then still like, you know, rapping and doing stuff. I had a girlfriend. Um yeah, so so you had one or two things going on. I had a lot time. going on, but it was it was, you know, 
I I can be honest, I didn't really like care about school. I'm I'm when it comes to school, I'm super Mr. Super last minute. Like hmm. I procrastinate to like the last minute. Hmm. Cuz I just I you know, I didn't really see any need in it or like I felt like I was in school for like stuff that I could like figure out my own, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh the only class that I really really enjoyed was uh what class was it? It was it was a, it was actually a, a radio broadcasting class where we had to like come up with our own like um, like jingles and like you know just kind of <laughs> like it was it was kind of corny but it yeah. was it was fun because it allowed us to just like think outside the box and do something really creative and we yeah. got to record it and like show it to class and everybody you know yeah. it was fun and you're you're producing just in a totally different way right like you're used to making beats for songs yeah but then they're like yo make us jingle yeah (laughs) like all right i'm in let's do it right and so it seems like that sort of just fit with what you wanted to do anyway in that in that instance but for the most part you weren't getting a lot out of that telecom degree compared to what you wanted to actually do. no not at all when i look back at it i mean i don't regret anything but i you know i wouldn't say it's a waste it was a waste of time i definitely cherished those moments back then but i mean i could have I could have probably done something else. Yeah, but that's it's again like to each their own. You you know what you were doing and you knew that the school that you were studying didn't really contribute to it. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes you just got to shift your focus toward that which you care most about and that which matters the most. Yeah, facts. So, so you're wrapping up that telecom degree. You got an associate so so that was about what two-ish years. Two-ish, I think. Failed a couple classes, pushed it to three. Okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Which again, like if you you're not about school, makes makes sense. Makes it sense. fits with with where you wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're you're just doing your thing, right? Like you're going to school. What all were you doing outside of school? Um, and and besides the job and besides the girlfriend at the time, what sort of stuff were you making during that time? Were you still making beats? Were you trying to? Yeah. To rap more, what what were your, was your creative creative side? Doing? I was I was still rapping, and I was I was making a lot of beats. Yeah. Like probably, like those were the times where I was just like, like pumping beats out, just like like crazy amounts. Yeah, um, and it, it it just started to shift where like I was like rapping a little less. Like me and my friend put out a project called Cosmo Gray, hmm. and. That was like the last, and then this was maybe 20, I want to say 2010, 11 maybe. And that was like the last time, like I can really think of myself like, like really, really like focused on like writing raps and like trying to write songs. But uh, um, yeah, after that, I like completely was just like, you know, I just want to produce. I just like, you know, I don't, I just kind of like being in the background. Like, yeah, like, you know. I'm like in the background, like looking at looking at the you know if the artist is performing, I'm in the back on the stage. Like, yeah, I made that. You yeah, know, this is my shit. Like you, you laid the foundation and yeah. you you made it so that yeah. that artist can look their best yeah. with what you've made. Yeah. So you're you're kind of on the the back behind the scenes guy now. Yeah. Um. When when you're making music going forward. Correct. And so, what after you finished that? degree did you start getting into did you stick with uh with your job at you said express i was working express and i worked there from 
maybe a year and a half, two years. And I knew, so in Fairlane, H&M was right across the hall. Mm, okay. And um, so this is when it's starting to coincide with like fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wanted to work at H&M so bad. <laughs> like it was, I was like, that's that's all I wanted was to work at H&M. Cause it okay. was like, it was foreign to me. So now I thought it was dope. Like the clothes were cool. Like, you know, I was starting to get into fashion. So I was like, I wanted my pants to fit slimmer, yeah. and it was like H and M was the only like I'm like twenty twelve. I don't even know when I got my job. Like twenty twelve, maybe twenty thirteen. It was like the only place to really find like slim fitting jeans around here. Yeah. If you didn't want to like fork up the money, you know. Yeah. Um. So I was like, I really wanted to work at H and M. Um. Eventually, ended up getting a job at H and M. Um. Yeah, and I worked H and M for maybe three years, and mm-hmm. that was like twenty twelve to like twenty fifteen, twenty thirteen. Okay, yeah. so that's I I do want to say too. It is sort of a coming of age when you finally want pants that fit you correctly. Exactly. That, exactly. <laughs> that's when you know, like, okay, I'm I'm just about a semi functioning adult now. Like, let's exactly. do it. <laughs> and it's it's crazy because people always ask me like, how did I get into fashion? And it's it, it's it's like growing up with my mom and two sisters, you know, they, like, always made sure I looked good going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, always made sure, like, my clothes looked good. Like, they would, like, buy me outfits, outfits for Christmas, and they would, like, make sure a certain – if the T-shirt had a certain color, it would match the, the, the <laughs> seam color in the jeans <laughs> – and they were your stylist. They they were my stylist. And even in high school, you know, I remember a couple comments and 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 girls were like, "Mike G, you dress is pretty. You dress is pretty fly." Yeah. I was actually pretty mad in high school when I didn't win best dress. <laughs> really? So, like things were like in my mind rumbling, but like I wasn't really like thinking about like fashion as a career or like <laughs> yeah. a path. But it was interesting to you yeah. enough enough to to want to be voted yeah. best dressed. Yeah. And then so now like this this fashion side is is starting to rear its head a little bit. This this producer side is definitely rearing its head. You said this is sort of the point in your life when you were kicking out the most consistently. Yeah. Right? How did how did all those things start to come together? You know, these different like side interests. How have you seen those kind of come together to where you're at now? Um it's you know, because, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really feel like music and fashion, you know, they coincide with each other. Um, you know, artists, they they need to look their best. You know, they need to be, you know, they're always at the, the front row of the shows. They're always like, you know, they're always getting their picture taken, you know. Yeah. So they always, you know try to look their best at least like i mean to be honest like a lot of celebrities like dress like trash um <laughs> but it, you know i had to come to the realization is like you know they're like regular people like not everyone in real life dresses well so you know just because they're rich doesn't mean they're gonna dress well as well yeah um but i think it was just you know as 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 i'm doing music and like fashions you know uh rearing its head I'm just like, how can I make these two things, like, work together? Huh. Um, and I really, like, up until, like, maybe two years ago, I really, it's really, like, been starting to, like, make sense. People, it's funny, because people have always, like, been in my ear telling me, like, things I need to do. When I worked at H&M, 
all the girls there were like, Mike, you need to be a stylist. Mike, you need to do visuals. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of sweet guys that, that are, like, stylists and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right, maybe. You that, know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I'm hearing it and I remember it, but I wasn't really doing anything to, uh, you know, to uh, doing anything about it. Yeah. Um. Up until maybe, like, two years ago. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So then what changed two years ago when when you brought those worlds together did you just up and decide like yo this is something i want let's do it or was it was it sort of organically coming together in your life because you knew those were two things you really loved it was kind of just having organically like people would ask me to style um you know i, I at that time i was working at a job called Kitten Ace, which was downtown. So I was like, I'm working my way. I quit H&M to work there. So I'm like working my way up the like the fashion hierarchy of yeah. like, you know, of price points. You know, I went from selling like, you know, $30 pants to like $130 pants. Yeah. So I'm like trying to, you know, working my way up the luxury ladder and kind of just seeing how like how things work and like people are like, oh man, you got great style. Like, you know, can you style me? Or people are hitting me up like, um, you know, can you like do my closet over and like, you know, just things like that. Yeah. yeah. Little, little spots where they figured you could help. Yeah, exactly. Huh. So exactly. now what are, what are some of the differences you noticed as you worked up that luxury hierarchy and as you went from like fast fashion to long-term fashion or, or more durable fashion, we'll call it. Uh, the cl- customers. And fast fashion are a lot worse than the luxury store customers. Huh. Um, and, and I know people would probably think otherwise. Like, people would probably think the opposite. Think that, you know, the rich people are not even, maybe we're not going to call them rich. Maybe they, they can they can afford a little bit more. Yeah. Um, that they're, like, maybe a little snobby or a little, they just probably think they're a certain way. But it's, you know, I've, enc- I've definitely encountered a few yeah, but to say to say the least, like most of the people, most of my clients that I deal with, they're like really sweet people. Mm-hmm. Like they like look out for me, or they like they like talking to me when they you know they they text me. They like give me free clothes sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's one huge difference that I you know definitely can think of. Um, you know, it's just different worlds. You know, H and M and Express. You're like. Your shift is folding clothes for, you know, four or five hours. Yeah. Or you're on the register for four or five hours. You know, when you're when you're working like a luxury store, you're like clienteling and you're like actually, actually putting together someone's wardrobe. You know, someone's yeah. someone's coming in, they're looking for like what's new, and then they're like, what can I wear with this? And then you know, they they really want you, they really want you to style them. Um, so that's a, that's that's a big difference, and that, that, I would get that at H and M too, but like. You spend too much time with a customer in H and M, and they're like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You're just trying to, you're just trying to get me to buy more stuff. Yeah. So now, I'm I'm kind of curious because I've never particularly had you know this one style or like been able to identify what my own style is, right? So when when a new client comes into you or when someone comes into the store, how do you go about figuring? what their style is, and then finding the right pieces to complement it. How do you piece that together without kind of creating your own style on them? 
So what I will say is I I try to push people out the box. Um, you know, one of the worst things I hate hearing people say is it's not for me or it's not my style. And to that I say it's not your style because it's never been on you. Like it's you just have never tried it. I I could say that about a denim jacket that I've, you know, if I've never worn a denim jacket, I can say it's not my style. Because you've never worn it. Exactly. Huh. Like, I'm just like, put it on and see. Give you, it a go. It, what, what it takes for people to, like, really, like, change their styles is, what I've noticed is validation. Huh. So, you know, if you wear something you think is kind of wacky and kind of crazy, and then you go outside and everyone's like, man, I like, like Damn. you look cool. You like, you look cool. Like, you look good. Yeah. And you're like... Thank you. Like, I was actually, like, a little anxious about wearing this because it's not really what I would wear. But, like, thank you. You know, things like that are, are what helps people turn the tide and, like, really change their perspectives on, like, wearing different clothes, whether it's, like, a looser fit or, like, it's a it's a skinnier fit or it's, like, a you know, an oversized hoodie or, you know, tortoise shell glasses, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just finding ways... To essentially get um, I don't know. It seems like you have to to get just up to the line of it being too much for them to give it give it a try. Yeah, and then just kind of ease them to that line, get them to wear it, and then you shift the line further out, and you kind of slowly push them towards exactly. the end. It's all about it's all about just slowly progressing them. It's, it's you know you can maybe get them in, you know. So so what I do where I work now is I can tell what someone's into based upon like what section they kind of gravitate to hmm. so like the store is kind of laid out in in certain sections so we have like our avant-garde designers which are usually the japanese designers in one section and it's like it's usually black and it's usually like it's it's for most people they would consider it weird hmm. it's you know blazers and they're like half cut out or like big pants and they're like drop crotch some people will call them diaper pants yeah um like even some people might say they're like ill-fitting clothes, but like they're intended to be that way. Yeah. Um. So if you walk over to that, I can kind of get a, I and you're like actively looking at it. I can get an idea of what your style it kind of is. Um. Versus if you walk over to like, you know, a blazer and some and some 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 trousers, I can like okay, she's kind of conservative, or maybe she's looking for an outfit for work, or, yeah, you know, you kind of pick up on, like, the little things, and even, like, <clears throat> even, like, how people are dressed, um, you know, I never judge anyone coming in a store, but I can tell kind of what their style is based upon how they dress. Yeah, and it's it's not even, like, judging it, it's, it's a reference point, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. If I say, what kind of car do you like, or what kind of cars do you like, but you're driving... I don't know. I I drove a, a 2002 Chrysler Concorde. Like clearly, I would not be a car guy because I am not big into cars. So if you're a car salesman, you're gonna be like, "Look, get this kid something reliable. That's all he wants. Send him out." Exactly. exactly. Whereas, like, you roll up in a Bugatti, it's like, "Shit, we gotta find him another Bugatti." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so now that's sort of that's that's where the fashion part of you is mm-hmm. is working at now. What's going on on the music side? What have you been? What have you been doing there? I know you said you're a DJ and you're still a producer. So, um, um, I'm pre- still producing. Um, Jay Adams, we've been working together. Um, hopefully, we have 
a new project coming out soon. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. yeah, yeah. We gotta really get to work on it. Um, well, yeah, actually, like DJing is kind of this. I'm gonna say 2019 has been just a tremendous year of just like growth. Really, because I, I was like bedroom DJing. <laughs> for like maybe two years, my friend uh, Rob Black Noise gave me like this little, this little machine, like a little controller they call it, and I was just like using that to play around on the program, yeah, tractor, and um, just like in my bedroom and just like you know in the living room, just like kind of kind of fucking around on it, and um, I'm like, damn, like I can I can really do this, um, so I went and bought like a like a bigger controller, and I'm like 2019. I bought a bigger – Chris, around this time last year, I was like, Mom, I want this. I'm about to start DJing for real. She's like, all right, I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, so she, Mom buys it for me, like, Christmas last year. Hmm. Um, the first show I have is with Jay Adams, actually in New York and Brooklyn. Man. And the rest is history. 2019, I'm <laughs> like, you know what? I've been in my bedroom too long. There's too many times where I go to shows and I'm like – or I'm listening to, like, DJs and I'm like, man. You're like mixing this really bad, yeah. Or like, like you are not good at this. Or I'm like, <laughs> or I'm like, why are you playing this song? Like nobody even yeah. wants to hear this song. So, so two quick things. First, uh, for those of you wondering why the name Jay Adams sounds so familiar, uh, back on show 14, we we chatted with Jay. That was that was one of my favorite shows to record. Uh, show 14 is Survive with Jay Adams. He was he was he was just dope to talk to. Yeah, um, he's a good man. Good so it's very smart. Yeah. Oh, he's brilliant. It's great. Yeah. Um, one thing that that's really interesting, in particular, about DJing, is there's two totally different sides to the to the process. 100%. So, like, first, you have to make it sound good. You have yeah. to make the right mixes. You have to have things tie in correctly. But but the interesting part and sort of the wild card to it is you got to read the room, and you just hit on that, like. Why are you playing this song? No one's no one hears about it. Yeah. So how that that second element seems like it's the wild card is like reading the room, reading where people at and figuring out what they want to hear. So how do you when you're in a room, do you walk in and say, "Look, these are the first 5 songs. I'll play them, see how they respond and go with whatever they they jive with or what does that look like for you?" It's so in the beginning it was just kind of as I was building my song library in my like in in my computer, yeah, I was just like going to gigs, and I was like, I'm about to just play whatever. Um, play free bird. <laughs> <laughs> I would literally just like <laughs> pick random songs like that made sense based upon what I was playing, yeah, and just like and just play them. Like it was like stuff that I like. But then I've recently like started like making like for each gig like a certain playlists because I've noticed like. There were times when, like, the roommate, like, um, you know, everybody might go to the bar. or Like, people might start stop dancing. And I'm like, I got to really, really, like, make sure I'm, like, reading the crowd um, and not, like, dropping the ball on, like, the energy. Hmm. Um, so, like, making a playlist, which is something I've been doing recently, um, is, like, a crucial thing that I would say is super important um, to where I'm at right now in DJing. And I'll I'll say anecdotally too, it seems like w- one of my favorite things to watch happen, like at at a formal party or at, you know, I had a couple formals for for the fraternity I was in, you know, yeah. going to weddings, stuff like that. Yeah, I love 
trying to see the DJ, especially if it's just like someone that we know or, you know, just someone doing it for fun. Seeing them try and navigate, getting everyone to move from dinner through dessert and then onto the floor. Because that seems like like it's, it's just tough. a struggle. Because and then you have like four stomachs and it's like, are people really just trying to like <sighs> trying to really bust a move on a full stomach? They're trying to nap. Five courses and you know, <laughs> a little dessert too, some wine. Like. And the actual cherry on top, doesn't yeah. it? Huh. So so now you're building playlists. Yeah. What does what does that mean for someone who has no idea what that um, means? Just just a selection of songs that I think will fit the place where I'm DJing. So you know, if if I know I'm playing a place where it's like house and techno music, you know, I'm gonna put like you know some of my favorite like house and techno songs. But it even goes farther than that. It's like and in you know, depends on a certain, like, genre of, like, house and techno I want to play. Is it, like, am I about to play a bunch of lo-fi, like, house songs? Am I going to play, like, some, like, old Detroit, like, house? Am I going to play, like, some more, I don't want to, I don't, it's not, like, EDM, but maybe, like, a little bit of, throw a little disclosure in there. A little, a little, a little more, more mainstream, yeah. like, because I know, like, you know, it, stuff like that gets the people pumping. Um, yeah. But I still, like handpick each like even if it's like a hand like a mainstream song it's like it's it, there's only a few that i like really can like manage this is this is a good one you know yeah what's your favorite type of venue or favorite type of event to wear um i really like playing small spaces be small spaces where people want to dance not like i hate playing party when like everyone's just like standing around and like looking too cool and just like drinking and whatever. Art shows. And, and yeah. And I, I get it. I mean I get it. I'm I'm sometimes that person. It depends who's DJing. Yeah. <laughs> um but you know, I, I really I like I DJ because I wanna make people move. I wanna make people dance. I want people to have a good time. You know, I just uh I had a show last Friday at Electric Studios for an uh an art exhibition. Yeah. And, you know, the whole night was kind of rap and hip hop and everyone, you know, they were, they were hype and they were, they were, they were jumping and they were, they were doing their thing. And it was, it was good. It was good energy. And I get on and it's like house and techno. And immediately the people who didn't want to hear it left. Hmm. And, but the, the, the dance floor still was like, packed maybe like 50 people just like dancing and like you know people are coming up like it was mostly girls too so it's like i'd rather girls consume i feel like girls consume the most music or they they can definitely help propel you and and get your name out there more so than like the guys the guys just want to stand there and look cool mm -hmm. you know the girls they want to dance yeah um and i'm 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 here for that you know i want to make people dance um, yeah, girls just want to have fun. Ex oh, exactly. <laughs> I had to. I had to. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's you know that's all I want to do. And as I'm playing, people are coming up to me like, "What song is that?" Um, you know, I I like this song. And and yeah, some girl was like, "I've been waiting for this kind of music all night." And I'm like, "This is this High is five. You know, yeah. This is what uh, this is what makes my day. Or even there's a story." There was a girl who, it was a girl or guy, and they really wanted to dance, 
but they were a little, there was like a dance circle going on, and they really wanted to dance, and uh, they were like a little too afraid to, mm-hmm. and um, they, jeez, what happened? Um, they were afraid to dance. They wanted to get in this dance circle so bad. So I think a couple minutes passed, and then you look over, and they're like, just like in the dance circle. They're just like free, killing it, and just like, and that's what I live for. They were like, she. I don't even know if it was uh, she or he or, you know. But, um, yeah, they were just free and just dancing. And it was was beautiful. You know, that's what I live for is to, like, if I can be the soundtrack to people's freedom, I'm here for it. Wow. I'm here for it. So I think that's a good spot to kind of move into the next portion of the show. Uh, And these are our quick hits. So it's going to feel a little faster. It's going to feel a little quicker, hence the name. I don't know. I just went with it. Yeah. Uh, so first, what do you think is one of the biggest takeaways and lessons that you've learned from all of your projects so far? Biggest takeaway and lesson. Um, um, that's a hard one. I mean, I can say, you know, perfection isn't perfection like don't spend too long on something you know you got to put your stuff out you just have to um you know you're never going to build an audience you're never going to build you know a, uh, you're never going to build a following if you never just put your shit out um if you wait for it to be perfect you're going to miss your opportunity facts facts um what else is there i mean just making sure the product is good because you know, no one's going to want it if it's a bad product. I mean, as simple as that. Whether, I mean, that goes for anything, music or design or fashion and, you know, architecture, whatever. Like, people won't like it if it's not a good product. You know, it could, you know, people's tastes are different. But for the most part, if it's a bad product, like, people won't want it. If it's bad music, people won't want it. There may be a market for some sort of shitty music, but for the most part, if it's bad, no one will want it. So now what is the one piece of advice, if you had to give one, that you would give to your 20-year-old self? I would probably say, actually thinking about Henry Ford and stuff, I would, honestly, I I would say go to school, if you are going to do the school route, for something that will make sense later in life. And 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 that may sound crazy because it's like how will you know it's gonna make sense later in life? But like looking back on life, and it's never too late to go back to school. But I'm like, I would really love to be, you know, an architect, or I would really love to be a furniture designer, or like industrial designer, or you know, um, you know, study philosophy, or like I love the way like the human mind works. So I would really just like, I don't know. I think we all just make the decision of going to school right after high school too quick. And it's like, I don't even know what I like. Yeah. You know, I'm 20, you know, 28 and I just like started reading books two years ago. Yeah. And like, I like books now. Like, I'm not, I can't say that I, I finish all of them, but I, I read tidbits from them and I like take things from them and they stick with me. Yeah. So better way to put it, like, or uh, another way to put it is, 
fuck around for a bit, figure out what you like, yeah. and then be be willing enough and ballsy enough to go for it and go after it however you can. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, as cliche it is, you know, if you don't take risk, you know, you'll never see what the rewards or that risk was yeah. were. Love it. Uh, what has been one book or resource that has helped you along the way? Uh... I'm gonna probably say I'm really. I don't know if this is like cliche to say, but I really, I really like Malcolm Gladwell. Hmm. Um, So I really like the Tipping Point, which, you know, sad to say, I've been reading it for like two years. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't finished it, but I like I I start it and I stop it, and then I like restart, go to the beginning because I've already forgotten like what I've read. Yeah. But the. the best thing I remember from one of Malcolm's books was uh, it was like the six degrees of separation. And it's um, it's like, I think it says, you know, six people think the six degrees of separation is um, everyone's connected somehow in six degrees or less. And it's really that everyone is connected to certain people in six degrees or less because certain people are connected to more people, hmm. you know? Yeah, it's those those super connectors. Exactly. That are that, that that rule applies to yeah. you, right? And I kind of feel like, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a super connector, but I feel like as, you know, I'm navigating my way through life, I feel like I'm meeting cool individuals and I'm always thinking about who can I put in place or who can I, you know, if someone's like, I want to shoot a video. I'm like already like I got a guy. Yeah. Like and I'm like he's he's like dope as fuck. He's like super good. Or it's like you know um, I want a photo shoot. You know I have plenty of friends who take photos. Or yeah. you know need need a mix or an engineer. It's like you know I need uh I need something screen printed. It's like I got all these people. You know I got all these people backlogged in my head that like if somebody's like yo I need this and I'm like I got you. I got a guy. Yeah. Love it. Uh, now, now, Mike, where can people learn more about you? Uh, I will say, just because I have it written down here, your Instagram handle is ATM underscore uh, at the moment, at period the period moment. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, where can people learn more about you? <laughs> uh, right now, definitely just uh, Instagram, um, working on a portfolio. Um, yeah, and just Instagram. I have a Twitter my Twitter is uh, let's see what my Twitter is actually. It's uh, Jordan ATM. Mm. My name on my name used to be Jordan ATM, which was it, it got too confusing, so I just switched <laughs> it to to ATM, which stands for at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where you know I usually post my gigs on there, um, Instagram and and uh, Twitter. Yeah. It's Mike G, DJ, stylist, producer, creative. At the moment, ATM. Pleasure chatting with you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. That does it for this week's show with Mike G. Now, it's been a minute since we've had a creative on, and I was really, really excited for this conversation. Plus, I've I've run into Mike a couple of different times. He is friends with Jay Adams, who I featured back in show uh, 14, and, and he produces some of Jay's music. And so it was really good to have someone on that comes from that creative background because there's stuff that's 
totally different in that world uh, from what you hear in a standard you know, business or, or even in a startup or an entrepreneurial community. What about the, the early parts of Mike's story is the fact that they just wanted to be better. That's why they spent hours making beats in basements and, and rapping over songs when they were in middle school. They wanted to get better and they wanted to improve their quality. So when they made a couple hundred bucks from, uh, from that talent show that wound up just being on a park bench, they took it and immediately invested it in better equipment. It wasn't, you know, looking for an ROI or looking for something in particular. They just wanted to be better. And that's what they were focused on uh, throughout the early parts of their story. And you can see how that compounded as we walked through Mike's background. There's also a very careful balance between knowing that no one wants a bad product and understanding that waiting for perfection is a mistake. And so you have to figure out when you've gotten things polished and good enough to release to the, the broader world, while also understanding that you will never get it perfect. And if you tinker over every minute detail of a song or of a piece, you might lose the, the underlying identity and the underlying feel of that song in trying to seek perfection. All right, guys, happy new year. It is officially 2020. Um, there's a 2020 vision joke in there, but I have glasses, so I couldn't see it. Ha ha, there it is. Um, wishing you guys all the best. Happy new year. Go out and make 2020 just a kick-ass year. From Taste for Tenacity, show number 36, this is Ben Trella. Thanks for listening.